Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. I'm going to read the Bible uh, now, but I do just want to say, if you've got creche age kids and you want to take them to creche, any time is a good time to do that. Uh, you're not interrupting anything. We're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 27, verse 31 to 37. So if you've got your Bibles there, you're welcome to open them or to be on the screen behind me uh, as well. And then after this, Ross is going to come up and preach for us. It says this, After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him, This is Jesus the King of the Jews. Thanks. Good morning, everybody. I think you say happy Good Friday. I think we do. Happy Good Friday. It's a good time to be at church, as they said before, to come together again. Any excuse is a good excuse. To have a day off is an even better excuse. And we want to say, uh, if, especially if it's your first time or first time in a long time, welcome this morning. And we just want to celebrate this moment together as a family, church family, but it's not exclusive. It's what we're doing this morning, as we'll work through a bit later, is uh, it's the message of Good Friday is inclusive, that we actually celebrate the fact that we're all here in the one spot. So we're going to just dig a little bit deeper about the reason behind Good Friday. But before we do that, how about I pray that God just helps us to understand. Dear Father God, we thank you for what you did for us through Jesus on this day uh, 2,000 years ago. But Lord, we pray that you'd help us this morning as we sit here to gain a deeper appreciation and understanding on what that means for us here and now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It is the season, the season of the long weekend. If you've had your calendars out, this is a good time of year, isn't it? You've got Good Friday, uh, Easter Monday, you've got May Day uh, and Anzac Day, all banked up one after the other. And if you're like me, you're looking at the calendar thinking to myself, how can I make the most of this? What can I do in these weekends to make the most? Don't want to waste them. What can we do to, to make the most? Is it family? Is it camping? Is it uh, just fun time? Is jobs around the house? All those things. You've got extra stuff that we can do in this time that sometimes we get so consumed with what we're going to do on these extra days off, these public holidays, that we sometimes forget about the significance of them. May Day. What's that got to do with me? It's a weekend off. I get to go camping. You know, it's that kind of stuff. It's Good Friday today. We're sitting in church. Oh, well, that's great. Good Friday, it's a good thing to do. Go to church, think about Jesus. But our mind can quickly go to what else is happening today? What else can we do to make the most of it? That so we kind of, the significance of Good Friday kind of gets dissolved. It gets washed away. We don't actually stop and think about it. So we actually want to this morning to think, why are we sitting here on a Friday morning? What is the significance for me? being here on a Good Friday morning. 
So I actually need to dig a bit deeper into what's going on on this Good Friday when Jesus does what he does. And to do this, we need to get a little bit of background. Uh, last week we started this, we looked at uh, the Sunday before Easter, is commonly known as Palm Sunday, and last week we looked at Jesus entering Jerusalem, and it was all about the pointing to Jesus is the King. So, we had Jesus going into Jerusalem, Jerusalem is the King's city, it's a city of David, David was the original King. So, we get Jesus, this guy, heading into Jerusalem, he's riding a donkey, that is also significant, uh, because kings rode donkeys in peacetime. Kings, when they're going to war, ride horses, but in peace, they ride a donkey. So here's this king riding his donkey into the king's city. And people are seeing that. They're putting their coats down on the ground before the donkey and the palm branches down. And that's because they don't want the dirt. The king is so special. They don't want the dirt to flick up on the king, not even onto the donkey. So they're treating him like a king. And as we looked at last week in the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew wants us to see also that this is God's king that God was pointing to. So he quotes some of the prophets going, you will see the king coming in on a donkey uh, into Jerusalem. It's going, even God is endorsing Jesus as king going into Jerusalem at this time. That's great. Jesus coming, uh, he's treated, he appears to be God's king still the what's the significance of that the so what factor that's got to do with the timing of this visit it wasn't just a random hey i think i'm going to jerusalem today the timing is critically important see it's passover time it was the passover festival it was actually for, for a jew living at that time the jews were god's people in the old testament for jews this was public holidays this is what they're doing on their public holidays it's a religious pilgrimage go to Jerusalem to celebrate this, uh, this festival. So there's a festival spirit. Even as Jesus is going to Jerusalem, there could be music playing. It was happy. There was reunions. People who haven't seen each other for 12 months, because this was an annual thing, 12 months. Uh, at least the father, uh, the, the father of the household would come or the men would go or the whole family would go to Jerusalem at this time. It's a little bit like Easter when you want to take holidays. There's no... Ex- accommodation if you find accommodation it's really expensive and you've got to fight your way through the crowds at the same time so we can actually associate what's going on here because this is the big season for the jews it's the festival the passover festival now this is a good time everybody's there everybody's remembering uh, this occasion of what they call the passover now as we uh look into what they're celebrating they're actually pointing back to an event that happened 1200 years even before jesus time it's when this passover event happened Uh, and that's in exodus in our bibles when the the jews were captured were enslaved by the egyptian army uh, egyptian army the egyptian people with the army mastering them Uh, they were enslaved in egypt and God had come to rescue them out of Egypt, out of slavery. And this was a great time. It was a time that the Jews said, we're not going to forget this. God said, don't forget this great moment where you saw how powerful and awesome I was. So they're going, we're going to have this festival every year, the Passover festival, where we remember how God saved us from, uh, saved us from slavery and saved us to, uh, to go and uh, praise him and worship him. 
So they do this Passover every year. They get together. And what would they do? So we're not looking at what happened on the original Passover back in Exodus. We've done that several times here in church. We want to look at what the festival was like for Jesus in his day. Because he's now marching into Jerusalem, into this Passover festival. And what would it have been like? So you get the crowds, you get the music. It's upbeat. It's cheerful. We're celebrating God, his powerful work in saving us as a people, if you were there as a Jew. And what would happen? There's three parts to this. It goes for the best part of a week, this festival. They did know how to really have festivals back then. Uh, but the centrepiece of this was a meal, a meal that you would have with your family together or with your friends, you'd invite your friends, or even anybody you found on the streets at a loose end. Come in, join us, because we want to do this with all the people around, this particular meal, this high point of the festival. And they would do three things. They would tell the story, they would have a meal, and they would reflect on the message of the story. So what they would do is as they'd sit down, they'd have this, um, this system every year. The eldest child would ask the dad, so, hey, what's this all about? What are we doing here? And the dad would go in to retell the story of the Passover, how they were in Egypt. They were slaves, they were oppressed, they had no freedom. But yet they cried out to God, God heard their cries and God came to do something about it. So within this crowd, they're sitting there, they have this quiet moment in their room and he would say, you know, God said to Pharaoh through Moses, let my people go so they may worship me. And what did Pharaoh say? No way, they're my slaves, they're doing stuff for me. I'm not going to let them go. So then God said to, to Moses, to the people, this is what God is going to do. Exodus 6.6, 6, the dad would pull open the scroll to places like this. And speaking God, God says, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with a mighty axe of judgment. God says, I am going to save you with judgment. The Pharaoh can't do this. The Egyptians can't do this. So God does this. He sends plagues. Pharaoh's stubborn. He said, no, I'm not letting the people go. To the biggest one, it comes down to God says, look, you're being stubborn here. I am going to bring my judgment down for you. I'm going to kill every, uh, every eldest son in all of Egypt because of your stubborn heart and that's Pharaoh's like I'm still not letting them go but then he says to Moses hey look there is this judgment coming what I want you to do for your people if you trust me I want you to take a lamb take a lamb that you've got I want you to kill it I want you to catch its blood I want you to put the blood around the doorpost so when this angel of death passes through Jerusalem they will go past see your house and go blood's been shed, already shed there it doesn't have to be shed there anymore and it will move on and your anybody in that house will be safe so the angel passes over that's the Passover bit the angel will pass over you because you've done this You've got the blood of the lamb around the door pillar. But then I want you to have this moment with your family, with your friends or anybody you've found in your household to cook up the lamb. I want you to have a meal. I want you to have with, with flat bread. I don't want you to let it to rise, just flat bread with veggies, with herbs in it. Uh, I want you to do that and just reflect on God's goodness. He's saving you. He's giving you freedom and you will walk free. And 
the dad would explain to his family. And it happened. We as a nation, as the Jews in Egypt, were set free. We were slaves in Egypt. Now we're free. They were released and let go. Pharaoh said, go. He sent them out of town because he'd had enough from God. This is an amazing story. It's an amazing thing to reflect on. This is a wow, isn't God great moment. Now, for year after year, generation of generation, they've been celebrating that. And the dad's sitting there uh, 1,200 years later in Jerusalem going, how good is God? And everybody is going, this is an amazing story. We can't forget how good our God is. This is awesome. Now, where's the food? Because we're going to do this over food together. So they uh, bring out the lamb and they go, yeah, remember, we're having lamb tonight because remember the lamb that was sacrificed all that time ago? We're, we're remembering that. We're having the flatbread. We're not letting it rise because that's what they did back We're having the, the veggies with herbs and we're doing all this stuff because we're remembering just like, we need to remember what it was like as in slavery. We're going to remember. It's, a, it's like a big signpost back so they get the story, they get the meal, and then there's the message of just reflect. So over the meal, they're reflecting, how good is God? How good is God that he saved us when we were in great need? Slavery. He freed us from slavery. He freed us to worship God. How good is God? So this is a festival, went over days. I want us now to really appreciate what Jesus was going through on that day, in that, during that week. I want us to capture this moment. It's a little bit different what we're doing here this morning at church. If you're new here, it's your first time. Never done this before, ever. But we want to have some food, want to have some music, we want to have some conversation. We want to take five minutes out of this now to our amazing um, hospitality team has put together some food for us. This is, if you're thinking, oh, this is, this is like a Lord's Supper thing, we've got to be sombre and quiet for only who's who. No, no, this is a festival, this is a feast. I've got to tell you, there's not, um, it's not a big meal, it's going to fill you, but I do want something in your tummy to appreciate. Oh, here's the lamb, here's the veggies. We're going to have some music in the background too, and we want to use this moment to do it together. We're doing this as a church family. So whether you're sitting with your family, with your friends, or you're new here and you're just meeting people for the first time, we're going to, I want you to come forward and it's, um, uh, grab some, and it's not, if you want to grab a couple to, to pass around to the people, there's, it should be enough for everyone to have some food. And I want you to ask the question while you're, uh, so we can talk about, because this is what they did. I think there's a question. What do you think it would have been like to be a slave in Egypt? Let's reflect on what it would have been like for them and then to discover freedom to walk out of Egypt. So this is, we're going to take five minutes to do this, we're going to have music, we've got food, I should say. If you're a Jew back in the day, you ate what you're given. Today, we're inclusive, so we've got gluten-free. We've, we've even got vegetarian. There's some without lamb. But I want you to reflect on the lamb as well. So if, there's, if you see bits, there's, it's all gluten-free. There's some vegetarian. So I want you to come now, grab some stuff. If you, don't, if you want to grab some stuff for the people around you so not everybody comes out, it's for everybody here, grab some of those. We're going to spend five minutes and just discuss with the people around you what do you think it would have been like to be a slave in Egypt and to experience the freedom. Let's do it together, hey? All right. I hope uh, you've been able to taste and sample the festival spirit. Keep eating if you're still going. But to get a flavour of 
what they were eating, what they were talking about. This is what was going on. It was actually a good reason to celebrate, a good reason to have a festival, to look back at the big signpost of how good God was to them in that time. Now, this is what was going on for Jesus in this uh, Easter, you might say the very first Easter. There was no Easter eggs at that time. They were doing this sort of stuff. And Jesus himself met with his disciples, went to, got to get his disciples together, took them to a room where they could do this Passover meal. And the disciples are expecting the same thing they've done last year, the year before, same thing they did when they were growing up with their families, same thing for generations and generations. So somebody possibly asked Jesus, well, what's this about? Tell us the story. And Jesus would have pointed to, hey, this is about how good God is. This is a big signpost pointing back to the great work of God rescuing his people out of slavery. Yes, it is. But as he talked and explained, he says it's also a signpost pointing to something forward as well. An even greater rescue. An even greater freedom. Freed from it, something even greater than slavery in Egypt. What's he talking about? And as he got, went through the food, he explains that it's not just looking back at what Moses did in Egypt, but how it points to himself, to something, a greater rescue with a better freedom. See, what they were finding out is for Israel, or for the Jews back in Egypt, it was all about what was going on the outside. On the outside, to look at them, even as we look at them, they were in slavery. Who wants to be in slavery? Like, that's bad. So God frees them from oppression, frees them to leave Egypt, frees them to go and worship him, establishes them in uh, Jerusalem, where he sets up his temple, says, look, this is where I'm going to dwell. Draw near to me, come near to me, so they could come and worship him. So on the outside, they could do the religious life. They could live all the, all the traditions and, and go to Jerusalem uh, to do these festivals. They could do all this stuff. On the outside, it looked very righteous, very religious, very Jewish. But what it wasn't rescuing them from was going on the inside. On the inside, they didn't have hearts that worshipped God. They had hearts that lent the other way, either worship themselves. To worship God really means if God's there, you're facing God, you're living for God, you're glorifying God in all you do. That's what worshipping God is. But on the inside, your hearts can turn us the other way and go, actually, I know I should be doing that, but actually that looks more exciting. I want to do that. I want to pursue other things, things that satisfy me, glorify me, things I want to do. And this is the bind that sin has on us, the grip that it has on us. It's like being enslaved to sin because on the inside our hearts are bent away from God, not to God. That's a big slavery, a big burden and something that God will punish like he did the Egyptians, that God will come down on. That's what sin is and that's a big problem and that's a big thing that we need to be rescued from and we can't do it. The, the Jews couldn't be rescued out of Egypt, couldn't do it themselves, God had to do it. We can't rescue ourselves from sin. We need a better lamb, we need a better sacrifice. And this is what Jesus does. When he gets on that explaining to the disciples, explains to them how he will become the lamb of the Passover. 
He will become the one who's going to, to shed his blood. He was going to be killed so people can live. His blood was going to be poured out. You don't have to sprinkle it over your doorpost. It's going to be running down the cross. His blood will be shed. He will be like the firstborn who dies to take the punishment. As he lays his life down, so the punishment will pass over you. Because if you're trusting Jesus, that's what it does. It passes over you because Jesus has taken our sin. He's dealt with that. And this moment is so great. It's not just, here's a little sign talking about another thing, but this is a bigger sign, the bigger event than the last Passover, a bigger salvation, a bigger freedom. And what happened? Matthew goes on to say, when this happens, we, in our reading we had as Jesus died, just after that, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. When the centurion and those with him were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he is the Son of God. This moment when Jesus, the Son of God, goes and dies on the cross to save the, the sins of the world, pay for the sins of the world, this is a moment that even creation groans over. Creation shakes. The mountains are shaking. Rocks are, are splitting open. This has massive impact. It's a landmark moment in world history. It's not just a little event one Friday. Matthew's trying to show this is massive. This is big. And how it's explained, of, of the so what factor, what is this all about, uh, the Apostle Paul writes to a, a, a young church in Galatia. It's in the book of Galatians in the New Testament, chapter 5, verse 1, and pick up the Exodus-type language as he describes this. This is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Now, if you're reading that and go, I'm not a slave... I'm not like in Egypt. I'm not like that. Paul says, no, on the outside you're not, but on the inside you are. That the sin does yoke on us, grabs us around the neck and pulls us along. And it burdens us, it ties us in knots. We are bound by sin. We can't save ourselves. But he's saying what Jesus has done through the cross, Jesus has freed us, freed us from sin, the addictions, the desires, all those things that we pursue that we know aren't glorifying to God. Jesus has died for those things. He has freed us from those things. He allows us to now have the freedom to worship God, to face God again and to go, I do want to live a life that worships you, glorifies you, that honours you. Jesus allows that for us. This is why this is so much bigger than the outside stuff. It's the inside stuff. And it's bigger than just for the Jews back then. In fact, it opens up the floodgates for people like us, not Jewish. But we can actually be a part of this community as well. We can rejoice because of what Jesus has done. This is significant. Because it happened back then, but significant for us now. You're no longer bound by sin. You're no longer condemned by sin. You're no longer restricted by sin, caught up in its entanglement. Jesus sees that, dresses it, sheds his blood for it so that we might have true life. 
this is why on Good Friday we're doing Passover. We, um, we're not going to do this all the time because we're not Jews. We don't have to look back at the, what happened in Egypt. Good for us to remember the big thing for us is Jesus died for us and rose again. So we have the Lord's Supper. We're going to do that on Sunday. We thought we'd separate it a bit, Friday and Sunday, just to go, this is what they used to do. They were celebrating something great. When we do the Lord's Supper on Sunday, we're going to be celebrating something much, much greater. Jesus' death, his resurrection, and our salvation and life we find in him. And he's coming back. So I do hope you can come back on Sunday, hear the second part of this. But I want you to just appreciate what Jesus did wasn't just so he could have a public holiday. It's not even so he can have chocolate, even though that's nice too. It is a life-changing thing that he did for us. How about I pray? And we're going to sing again. Dear Father God, we just thank you for what you did for us, that it wasn't just another day for another person, for the Romans to kill another person on the cross, but it was the Son of God being nailed up there, shedding his blood, being the lamb to the sacrifice, addressing our biggest problem, our slavery to sin. Lord, thank you for what you've did for us, the love that was shown, the compassion and the courage that Jesus took to do that for us. Lord, help us to remember that, to look at that signpost, go, wow, how good is our God. Lord, help us to live for you. Help us to hand over our sin to you, that it's gone, it's been dealt with, and that we can find true life in trusting Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.